All right, we're live. We're live. Welcome to the Empower Now podcast. I'm joined by a good friend of mine, uh, Dwayne Washington, and we're really excited for our episode today. This is season one, episode three, where we're going to be talking through work ethic. So we've been walking through the Power Hour series these last few episodes. Um, you know, the first episode we walked through purpose. The second episode I walked through opportunity. And now we're going to walk through the W Empower work ethic. Before we go any further, I'm going to start us off with a prayer and then we're going to dive right in. So if you're driving, please get to your destination safely. Don't worry about um, bowing with us. We don't want you to get hurt. We want you to get to where you're going safely. Lord, thank you so much for uh, the diligence that me and Dwayne have had as we've been working to record this episode. Father, I just pray that this can be a blessing to the one, Father, to the one person that needs this, that needs to hear this, of what it means to truly have work and to put the work in and have the faith while doing it. Father, as we walk through this conversation and work through this together, I pray that you can be able to just use both me and Dwayne as mouthpieces to just talk through from our experiences, our wisdom, and to impart upon our listeners, Father, to be able to help empower them right here, right now. In your name I pray, amen. So Dwayne, for those that's over here listening right now, you know, on various platforms, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself and then also to let the listeners know how me and you met. Yeah, man, no problem. Uh, first, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, this is something that's something great that you're doing, right? Because you're touching many people and gives people a chance to hear conversations from uh, different folks within the corporate world or any other industry, like having their own business, right? So, no, nah, this is good, man. So, thanks for having me. Uh, first, shout out to 757 uh, from the Virginia Beach area. I grew up here from uh, kindergarten to 12th grade. Uh, played all the sports you can think about. Uh, my main sport was football. Also did track, but it wasn't too fast. And also baseball as well, which I, I probably should have stuck with uh, just because uh, football just didn't go too well, right? Uh, I was one of those guys that was trying to get a scholarship in football, hoping that would take me to a big D1 school and, of course, uh, put me in the NFL, right? And then make all that money, but that's not realistic. You find that out the hard way. Uh, Deion Sanders even says that uh, with some of his new players in Colorado, and they're all state-of-the-art players. <laughs> um, uh, but with that, I guess that happened for the best, right? Because I got a good experience at North Carolina A&T, uh, and, uh, uh, of course, majoring in industrial systems engineering, and that leading to a many good job. But uh, going a little deeper into that experience, <laughs> that great experience, uh, I met Reggie. Uh, um, we were rivals at uh, Space tape. I was about to say poker. Because, uh, that's, what we, that's what I play a lot now. But yeah, man. Uh, and he used to come to my dorm. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I used to hate it just because he was tough competition. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk as much trash as I needed because I had to focus on making sure that I, I, I beat those guys. Sometimes they beat us as well. Uh, but that's what made it fun. And I think uh, what made it even more exciting are our, our, our relationship. We didn't necessarily talk right after that in, in terms of consistently, right? It, it happened a couple of months later when I officially joined Industrial Systems Engineer. I joined a major, and he was a, a great guy. Um, he was very dedicated to work. Um, so was I, probably not as much as he was at the time. Um, but yeah, worked on a lot of key projects uh, for different classes. Uh, I think we were in <laughs> what, all the facilities, mm-hmm. uh, I think we had a oh discrete event simulation class that we had together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, a lot of good experience. Visual basics as well. Yeah, all the good stuff. Uh, but with that, um, that led me to a lot of good internships. 
Uh, my first one being with a consultant company in Millennial Integration Engineering. Uh, that was a line at NASA at Cape Canaveral. So we were doing discrete event simulation. Uh, so working on a lot of different applications that they use for that. Uh, but also, and in terms of the purpose of it, was simulating what would happen during launch and the preparation for launch as well. So kind of learning all the logistics around that, learning that process, and then also simulating it through a more systematic model. Uh, really showed in terms of we're working on that was very heavy process related to our major and applying that in in the real world so that was uh that was exciting uh then from there i got the experience at bank of america's internship internship program near to operations management analyst program and that led to a full-time position man um got a lot of help from a lot of good people and then um yeah from there did my two your rotational program, all in DTNL Global Tech and Ops. So the bank is huge, right? Uh, some people just think of it when you tell your family you work at a bank, they say, oh, you're a teller. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, uh, you can be a coder in terms of developing different applications that banks like to uh, promote to their different customers. Uh, you can be a project manager, manage a lot of your big tech initiatives. Uh, you can be a product manager, which is a, a pro, uh, is a project manager, but more on the technical side, right? Um, or you can be uh, directly impacting different corporate clients, right? And how to manage their money back. So it's all different areas in the bank. And I was lucky to be more on the global tech and ops side and kind of seeing how we develop a lot of our products and how we manage the operation sides of it well in terms of eliminating technical debt and, and, and things like that. So that's really basically my experience and it, I guess <laughs> I kind of stopped short of myself. Um, I just got an opportunity uh, at a different financial company. Um, it, let's just say Wells. <laughs> uh, uh, great company, um, learning a lot uh, in a different field than where I was at Bank of America. Still product management uh, skill set, but yeah, uh, this is a great bank just like uh, BOA and learning a lot and uh, trying to just keep getting to the next level, but even before getting to that next level, making sure I get the experience, right? Because that's that's what's going to uh, keep driving you forward. So yeah, uh, that's the one in a nutshell. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for going into detail like that, brother. Um, today we're talking about work ethic, and I pulled Dwayne in mind because he has a uh, even more in depth background from you know like he was talking about the banking industry and then he, how he was an athlete in high school and I was an athlete in high school myself in baseball but Dwayne has a work ethic that he doesn't give himself enough credit for so that's what we're going to be talking about today um, before I kind of dive in with some questions I have for Dwayne in our, our conversation today I want to start with the definition of uh, work ethic so per dictionary.com work ethic is a belief in the moral benefit and importance of work and its inherent ability to strengthen character. So the work you put in and what you do is generally what you're worth and what you get out. Um, Dwayne, what I want to kind of ask you for the listeners to listen into, when you think about what it means having a great work ethic, what does that look like to you? Well, it's a couple of different things, right? Uh, I'll break it down into two parts. So first, it's more developing yourself in a personal sense, right? So uh, I'll give you an example. When I first started off at the bank, I would show up right on time, uh, 30 minutes earlier, 8.30, because we had to start at 9. But I learned many of our executives were showing up at 6 in the morning, had a workout at 5 a.m. 
So a lot of those assignments, they would get done. So that way through the day, they were dealing with a lot of fire drills. So going back to like the personal, you want to start your day off for anybody else, right? Try to get up at five. Try to do a workout to get your fit. So not only your physical, but helps you mentally as well. Um, even if you do any other activities to get your mind right, like a long walk, work on yourself so you can be able to think about the different assignments you do today, right? So that's really defines work ethic, right? Because that also gives you confidence. When you have your own routine set in place, um, when you're dedicated to it and not just inconsistent with it and not just talking about it through social media, but you're actually doing it, it gives you your confidence because you know you have your own routine yourself. So when you're when you're at work and you're working on very critical assignments, working with people, you know you you're working harder than anybody else, right? So when you're speaking to different tasks, you can get nervous and you get a little pitchy in your voice. As long as you know you have a good work ethic in terms of the personal sense, it, it helps you kind of drive what you're saying. On a, well, determine your value and really speaking about. The, the different types of work uh, when you're um, when you're on key projects and stuff like that, and I could probably put that together a little bit more formal. But this is just a you know very good conversation I'm having with Reggie. Yeah, and the, the people on the on the line. Yeah, and um, go ahead, but Benjamin, quick. No, go ahead. I was gonna get into so when you're at work, right, in the work ethic, and you, I guess you're we're talking about work ethic. You want to be able to communicate with the people you're working with, right? So understanding your people resources and the different, uh, I want to say tech resources, but it's not, right? I guess resources is a very general word, right? But it's all different types, right? You have your people, you have your different tools in terms of Excel, Word, learning all the different skill sets. So being a master in your craft, right? So it can be how you communicate with people. And the bank, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how good you are, how good of a developer you are. If you don't have good communication skills and working with your peers or your executives, then nothing's going to happen correctly. So working on communication, that can be going to Toastmasters, right? How to present the smallest thing, how to present a report is important, right? That's part of work ethic, right? Even though you know the material, that's not an excuse to not be able to communicate it correctly. So going to Toastmasters, uh, understanding the awareness of the importance of that report, even if it's an everyday report. Doing that to the best of your ability, that's work ethic. Just doing the smallest task, right? Something you do every day and executing on it up to 100% and making sure it's the best it can be. That's part of work ethic. Most people would just be like, you know, I do this every day. There'll be a couple of nooks and crannies there. I don't care, but it shows, right? Um, the next thing you want to do is kind of sharpen up on your skills, right? It can be from getting different certifications. Like um, right now, the big thing is agile, right? Agile this, agile that. They don't even know what it is, but that's, <laughs> they say it all day. Um, getting Scrum Master certification if you're part of a project. Uh, getting product owner certifications if you're more at the high level in determining strategy, right? Different things like that, Excel. Getting the certification in that so you can learn how to modify big data that comes towards you and, and helping your helping your company make a big decision on certain projects. So those are really things that define work ethic. It's the personal side of things and really uh, mentally and physically getting yourself prepared. And then when you're at work, utilizing those those different tools.
from people and communication, but also using the skill sets that you have to actually perform in your job, like uh, different Microsoft products, but also anything else like a, like a Rockwell application and mastering that. Man, that was so well said, Dwayne. I'm over here like it's resonated with me because all of that stuff, it doesn't matter what field somebody's in, that resonates no matter if they're an entrepreneur doing their own thing or working in a corporate environment or working in you know diverse uh, cross-functional teams, all of that resonates. What I want to add to what Dwayne's saying too is I love what he was talking about how what actual work you're putting in will translate to the you know what output you put out. Um, I, for those that's on the line and listening or tapping into this podcast, don't listen to this mindset of fake it till you make it. Like, no, get yourself studied and approved. Be a master in your craft like Dwayne's saying and put the work in. Um, whatever that routine looks like for you, whatever that um, you know passion that you have, what you're trying to work towards, find a way to have those foundational blocks that you're building upon. You got to be known for something. If you don't have a foundation or a subject matter expert in something, that's going to set yourself up for kind of being a revolving door of trying to figure this thing out as you're kind of going in your career. Another thing I want to kind of talk through and I'll have Dwayne elaborate on because he's been challenging me to think about this too, but being able to not only know what work you put in, but knowing your worth. So it's one thing to kind of just go through the motions and work and then hope somebody's going to notice you. And like Dwayne was saying, you know, you're, you're putting your head down, putting your work down, but not able to necessarily communicate effectively at all levels. It's one thing to communicate to peers. It's a whole nother level to communicate to, you know, senior leaders, executive leaders, being able to um, have executive presence. So Dwayne, I want you to uh, kind of talk to the listeners from your perspective, especially being in a corporate environment and having to navigate in all types of rooms and conversations. Talk to people knowing about their worth and how they can be able to, to kind of figure out when they're looking to go to that next big thing or looking to get that salary increase, how do they navigate through that? How do they translate with the work ethic they're bringing to their self-worth? No, it's tough, man, because it's, it's, I always tell people this, a lot of people look at things in a very robotic way, right? Everything's situational, right? So, um, I don't like talking about age, but age plays a key part of it in terms of the uh, different elements of your career. So when you first get out of college, right, you're learning, right? You, you have value, but the only value you have at that point is your, your just youth, right? Uh, you're, you're fresh in some of probably the new tools, but that's about it. So at that point, what you should be focused on, and we already talked about it, is building that value through learning uh, different types of people, network learning different skill sets to build that. So in, in terms of what me and you talked about, and that's a kind of a good segue into the, how you kind of set that up. Now we're, we're getting to the age and most of our friends are to where we had those years to build that up. Now, if you wasted your time, you wasted your time. Now you're just going to be delayed a little bit as a majority of us start to get those opportunities. So what I would say is you need to recognize the skill sets you learn the people you met and start utilizing those resources. And with that, if you're putting in a lot of time, which most of us are, you don't want to waste that time right now. You are in the peak of your career. So whenever an opportunity happens, and this is a, a, one of the good ways of recognizing your value, look at it on LinkedIn, whatever tool you use, and go after it. Even if you have one or two requirements that you met, go after it. People get so stuck and they don't never... I'm not talking about pulling it. I'm talking about pulling a trigger in terms of opportunity, right? So that's one way to see your awareness. 
do a couple of interviews with different companies. They'll tell you what you're missing and do that. Then when it comes to your own company, look at your other coworkers. If you're putting in way more work, have the conversation with senior leadership, but be ready. Talk to key initiatives. And what I would say, Reggie, and this is a good point that people need to hear, many of us have key routines that we have to do on an everyday or weekly basis, right? I already talked about making sure those are 100%. But for the people who focus on those and don't really align themselves to strategic initiatives, then you're going to be stuck in the same place, right? Because there's different assignments that are more BAU, keeping the... Uh, I'm going to say a bank as an example um, in this situation it keeps you going right it keeps the bank going you know there's assignments they can they can bring in robot uh, ro- Robbie the robot to do it if they wanted to only benefits they can give them is a um, is a benefits for buying batteries or something I don't know but I'm, I'm saying that to be funny in, in terms of building your value and um, also kind of working to determine uh, kind of where you fit and salary stuff like that. Align yourself to strategic initiative, get it done, and then present that to your leadership. And then from there, they can say, dang, every year this person's saving up to two to three million dollars. And they're making the effort to drive key value into our type of business, but also many, it can be things related to risk. Um, related to uh, engaging customers, especially from a banking industry, that you're now being uh, being a part of. And with that, as you complete them, if your senior leadership is not giving you any communication about that, don't don't get angry. Because at the end of the day, more, more serious stuff than this. But be very strategic in how you start engaging new opportunities. Like I said, do interviews. Go to other different companies that are in the same field or the same industry and 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 do that and if you're actually putting in the work and you have stuff on your your resume or your linkedin then you're going to get those opportunities but i think the key word that's missing in terms of like uh, what you spoke about is just a good awareness be aware you know like many people complain but they already know they're not putting 100% or they're not aligning themselves to the strategic initiatives at all, right? You're just doing the routine BAU work. So just be aware. You know your work already. Like, people wait for other people to tell you. If you're one of those people that wait for other people to tell you your work, then you already will be unsuccessful. You don't deserve whatever opportunity that you think you need to get from your internal company or external company you want to get hired to. I'm just, I know that's probably a little hard, but that's just being realistic. Have good awareness in what you're doing, right? If you're stuck in the same place and you and you still try to make the argument you, you need this, you don't deserve to get it. But nobody owes you nothing. So the, the first step in trying to determine your value and talk about size and stuff, have awareness because that, that's your foundation. Then from Determining where you're at, determine the type of work effort you put in in terms of what we first talked about, make those changes. Then once you make those changes, become much more consistent in what you're doing or what type of work you're working on. And then the fourth step or the third step is the communication part of it, learning how to communicate it. And then if you follow those four pathways, then you, you start positioning yourself to make the next step. 
in terms of maybe getting that opportunity from your internal senior leadership or externally if they don't provide it to you. But that's what I would say. I know I kind of spoke in all different ways, but you know me, Matthew. Yeah. It takes me a while to get it out. Yeah, no, I, I think everything you said is so powerful. And if anybody is like newer in their career or mid-career or whatever, let me break this down um, in a different way. What Dwayne was saying, make it real simple. Faith without work is dead. You can have all the aspirations in the world. You could be the most you know, talented person in the world. But if you aren't self-advocating, if you aren't making people aware of the great work you're doing, if you're not putting your name in that application and taking the initiative to make a change, then you can't. You can have all the belief in the world, but if you're not putting the work behind that, it's not going to sustain. I also want to talk about a few other things, too, because Dwayne is saying a whole lot of things that's relevant, but I also want to kind of break it down in a simple way. If you aren't good at time management, if you aren't good at executing and having a sage ratio of one, if you can't be trusted, if you're saying things but not doing what you're saying, that's all a formula for failure. You got to be somebody that people can trust. You got to be somebody that people can bring in and know that this person's going to add value to the team. You got to make sure you're not the person that's hindering the project. There's so many different things. So just to put it in layman terms, be a team player, be an executor and be somebody that people can trust. I also want to kind of belabor a little bit more on this conversation when we talk about work ethic. Uh, yes, there's days where you're going to be uh, better than others. There's going to be some days you're down, some days you're not on your A game, but make sure you got people in your corner that can be able to round you about around of knowing when things are going a certain way. You got to have somebody outside of where you're working that you can trust that can give you some real feedback. You got to have people that can refer you. You got to have people that can empower you. You got to have people that can be mentors. And the reality is don't wait for somebody to path your journey for you. Like you got to take the time to visualize what does the next three to five years look like for me? What is my outlook? Where am I going? What's my path? And if you're not taking that initiative, nobody's going to do it for you, especially as you get out of college. Because like Dwayne was saying, we go through these, these structures, these paths. We're so used to structure. We're used to curriculum saying, I got to check off this box, that box in order to get to this position or get this degree. That's not how the real world works. The real world is all at your pace. When people say it's your career and you own it, that is the realest thing now more than ever in the 2020s where you got to take the initiative and own this thing called your career. And if you want to be this executive, you want to do these different things, there's a work ethic and there's a level of expectation that comes with that. And nobody's going to hand anything to you. So I think Dwayne said it really eloquently. I'm not trying to be harsh either, but I think setting this reality and having this conversation like that is so important because these are the conversations nobody's saying. A lot of the times people are like having these self-expectation that you need to know this. Um, so it's important that you're getting this um, you know, information from me and Dwayne as we're in our later 20s, about to be in our 30s for somebody that may be younger. So speaking of somebody that's younger, Dwayne, the next question I wanted to ask you is for somebody that may be new to working in a corporate environment or new in their career or early on in their career, what advice would you give them about being able to navigate a fast paced and dynamic environment? I would say first, I mean, we, we spoke about it already, right? Um, you really want to focus on, uh, like I said, I'll give you an example. Come in early. When you first join corporate America and you, you first get an experience, get in there. So, your competition, people that may be in a rotational program, using that as an example, because I think me and Reggie went through one. Be in there one or two hours early enough where you can learn the material, right? That's one, but that's just one variable work ethic, or getting that experience initially in a corporate America. Next, I would say people, right? People are very important. Network, and I'm talking about not only from a vertical standpoint, horizontally, right? 
It can be your peers in the position that you're currently in. It can be other people in your rotational program. Um, of course, I, I said, um, I said, don't just focus on vertical, but you do want those vertical relationships, right? You do want uh, maybe not necessarily your manager all the time, but somebody that's superior man. Uh, the executives learning, and when I say executives, I'm not talking about just go up to meet them and say, "Hey, um, I'm, I'm Billy, I'm Billy Joe," you know, because they're not gonna care about that. They, because they meet a hundred, a hundred people probably a month. Talk about something that you're interested in from an industry standpoint that you want to learn more about, or something that you can probably be more of a part of to help them out than maybe a concern of theirs. Approach it from that way, because then that may align you to a very big project, and now you can have impact immediately. So that's the people element. The other element that we talked about as well is the skill sets, but not only skill sets in terms of technology, in terms of dealing with Microsoft product. It's the very soft field as well, communication. Because in the corporate world, communication is big. And I already said this. When you know your work very well, yes, that's one element of it. The other half is communicating it. So learning those soft skills. I will tell people, especially that's going in the banking industry or any any type of industry that kind of has a corporate feel to it, do Toastmasters if it's available. Now, it can be available internal. Or it can be external, right? If it doesn't give you that internal option. I know uh, majority of the banks are, are very good at that. Join them. And I'm being, so even if you're a semi-good communicator, they give you certain, they put you in certain situations that you may not be comfortable in. That now you're getting comfortable in, but you're learning it through that process of going to Toastmasters. Uh, that's one. Another thing I would tell you, most corporate uh well corporate companies but most big companies have different diversity programs right join them and and i'm not talking if you're just african-american i'm not just telling you join the um uh the african-american uh professional group join the latino one as well meet new people Um, a lot of companies have veteran programs join that as well you can say your dad or your mother was in the military those are great people. Just meet all the different types of people. Because I'm going to tell you this now. The people you join in that program with, a lot of people don't even think about this when they first get into a bank or any other industry. Do it about 10 to 15 years, they're going to be some of the most powerful people in the company. So if you build those horizontal relationships with people in your, I'm just giving you one example. In your program, you will forever have opportunities lined up. Because they're like, oh yeah, the way you was with, I got you. You, you having a tough time? I'll give you this opportunity. Yeah, they're not gonna make you their peer, but you'll sit right under and they'll give you a good opportunity. And you have that, you'll always have that network. So take every relationship series, never disrespect anybody, never even take it too serious. Because there's more serious things in life that people have to deal with. It's just work. And I will also say for further people beginning on, this is a little bit deeper in terms of from a mental uh, perspective. When you get up with the mentality that it is work, you're already starting off in an unsuccessful way. And what I mean by that, you want to try to find meaning in your work. It can be through the people you work with, 
they can maybe you like working on a certain project, right? That you're enjoying. Find meaning. Because then when you wake up, you'll wake up a lot more happier, right? You'll be more um, uh, proactive in what you want to do, right? And I'll give you an example. Now, somebody somebody said this, a great, uh, either one of the best speakers. He said, remember you was a, a little kid and, you know, you get up for a random day of school and you're kind of lackadaisical, kind of laissez-faire, you're just like, yeah, 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 I got a couple tests, a couple study guides I need to complete. But when that field trip was scheduled, you was up before your parents, you was already eating your uh, your toast, and it was like, hey, you already ready? Because you knew you were doing something that you enjoy. You, you knew you were about to do something that you are going to enjoy. If you get up like that every day and find one thing that's going to give you that type of feeling, you'll be successful. So... That, that's how we uh, tell somebody who's first kind of starting off in, in any type of uh, corporate uh, corporate environment to be on. Man, Dwayne is on a roll here. I got to just give it a round of applause, man. I love it, man. Let me uh, add a little bit more flavor for somebody that might be newer or earlier in their career. Um, I think commitment is a piece. I think reputation is a piece. Um, something that was an old saying that was said back in the day is performance image exposure. Um, what I want to just kind of break down in regards to that whole concept for performance image exposure is this. Like, you got to make sure that you understand that the expectation is to deliver upon your job. The expectation is to, bring, to meet the bottom line. But the reality is, like Dwayne's saying, what separates you from others? So that the thing you need to be known for is somebody that's bringing value to this organization or value in every conversation. How do you be the one that has an answer and can offer solutions rather than complaining or making excuses or saying why something can't be um, a reality? Because the, the other thing is nobody wants to involve somebody that's going to be a hindrance or a challenge or somebody that's going to cause you know, lack of cohesion in a team. Um, in a minute here, we're going to talk about project management and also facilitation, but just kind of um, talking through like your career. And I love what Dwayne was saying about making sure you're motivated, excited and passionate about what you do. I think understanding your why and why you're doing it, because a lot of times you see we go through these degrees, we get something and then we end up making changes from what we pursue and we get discouraged saying, oh, man, this is what I went to school for. Don't focus on that. Be more aware of what skill sets can you build and then what is my niche? What is my lane? What is my why of the value I'm trying to bring and the goals I'm trying to achieve? And then find ways to build upon that. Because a lot of the times, like Dwayne's saying, we get so caught up in the now and going through the motions that we're not looking about it uh, from a futuristic standpoint. I'm telling you right now, me and Dwayne graduated um, almost 10 years ago now. And like these last five plus years, five to eight years have like flown by. Um, if you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm 21, I'm 22, I'm just starting my career, I got all this time ahead of me. If you're not careful, you will blink and 10 years will go by. And like Dwayne said, you will be stuck doing either the same thing or not where you need to be because you didn't take it ownership of your own career in your own hands. So my advice, if you're new and early on, is find the right community to get engaged with, understand your why, and then find ways to build upon your skill set. Don't settle for the skills you got in college. Because those skills are going to be obsolete before the end of that year, before you know it. And now with all the technology that's rising and all the tools and the functionality that's going on, 
we got to be able to do more things now than just Excel and Outlook. Like those days are coming to a quick end. And it's just really important that you're well versed and well, uh, well tasked when it comes in terms of the skill sets and the value you bring. I hate to say it that way, but you do have to understand what value you bring and how you can go to the next level. Because if you don't understand those things, you're going to limit the ability and the opportunity for you to be able to go on a different um, growth areas or growth opportunities. So have a growth mindset rather than a stagnant mindset is the other thing I would say. So Dwayne, let me ask you this too, because I think this is really important. Like you've been talking about communication, you've been talking about follow through, you've been talking about, you know, setting the stage of getting there early. I want you to talk to those that may be a little nervous, like say there are folks that that they get assigned this big task or project and they're like, man, I, I got the work ethic, but I don't know how to manage others. Talk to me about what it looks like when you project manage a big project for the first time. What advice would you give somebody in that situation? I would say first, and you kind of spoke about it, in order to understand what you're actually doing, think about the why, like Reggie just said, right? And I say the why, not only from a more tactical standpoint, and I keep saying this word, more from a, a, a strategic standpoint, like what, how is the, I'm saying the bank as an example, what, how would it change the way the bank operates? You know, is it impacting the customer? Is it impacting operations? Maybe is it streamlining our, our technical team? Understand, right? And that's not going into details, but finding those one or two liners to make you understand why. Because once you understand that, every time somebody starts speaking in detail about their work from a tech side, from the business side, or maybe from the operations side, you can connect the dots. And that will give you the confidence you need. Now, more from a tactical standpoint, I say set up one-on-ones. All your, your different SMEs have routine one-on-ones, especially if you're the project manager. That way you're building trust, you're communicating with them, and you're having more informal conversations. So that way you're getting a lot more out of it, right? That one thing that you may not get on a big formal call, but it seems to be holding us up and you don't know why, watch them say it in your one-on-one. Right, you'll get all that key information, and then you don't use that in terms of um, using that again. What you do is you take it and you use the you set up a meeting, right? And you initiate handling whatever that problem is. But that's that's one way. Um, the other way is being very organized and consistent on how you um, complete your work, right? So from project, uh, different. What do you call it? Thing. I don't even remember. Uh, project schedules, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right? Keeping up with that. Making sure that's fully transparent uh, with all your different SMEs or your process owners that's working with all your uh, your tech people. Having that organized. Having a centralized location where all information can go. I don't care what anybody else does. If it's in the email, please upload it to the centralized location. So that's a good way to be organized, right? It's a good tactical approach to the situation. I already talked about sending up the one-on-ones, getting those informal conversations. And I think the other part of it, right? Don't wait two to three days to prepare for a presentation. Give yourself a week. Because what's gonna happen is it's gonna start you're gonna start building on the ways you wanna talk about it and what you do actually wanna talk about. It takes a while to actually have effective communication, especially when you, you're doing a big initiative, right? Because you're gonna be working when you're not working. 
when you're out, let's say you have a significant other, you're going to be thinking about it. So actually prepare for one or two weeks in advance because it gets your brain, you start preparing your brain. So when you're in, when you're in that situation and you're presenting, your brain has already went through that practice or those trials that spit it out your mouth. Some people just have trouble spitting it out. So uh, preparation is big because through the phases of that project, it won't just be the end, you're gonna be communicating. Sometimes the most important, um, the most important, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a presentation that you're going to have is going to be in the initial phases because that's when the, the senior leadership is going to know the kind of the position the project's in, how realistic it is. So if you're effectively communicating that, they'll appreciate you, even if it's not going well. It's like it gives us it gives us the ability to make a decision because that's what your executive leadership want, right? That's another thing to know when you're working on these big initiatives. It's not only completing the work. It's allowing your senior leadership to make a good decision. The more information they have, the more organized information they have, the more transparent you're being with them, the more um, the more you're working on your communication skills and being able to communicate it with the better they can make a key decision to stop it, change, get resources, and then that's what they truly want to do today. Because they know when you're working on big initiatives that maybe impact the customer, uh, maybe impact operations and saving money for more streamlining a process. You're going to have bottlenecks. As long as you can communicate that well, they'll appreciate it, and you'll be able to be effective on that project. So, first, I think I said uh, those informal meetings, right? And then I also said identifying the why, and then third, communication. Preparation. Well, you can put you can put those together. Preparation and communication. Being how to, knowing how to communicate the different phases of that project. Yeah, so that's how I would define it, really. Yeah, I, I agree so much with everything you're saying, bro. It's so relevant. Um, to add more on the project management piece, and then we're going to uh, close with some closing thoughts. Um, I also want to kind of just, again, give it high level. If somebody is overwhelmed and like, man, I don't have as much experience as these guys. I don't know what they're talking about. I want you to understand that experience comes in time. So don't try to force this thing. It's going to take time to build this experience. But how you get better at doing something you've never done before, how you build these skill sets of project management, it's all about rigor, cadence, and then, you know, the understanding of following through on what you say you're going to do. So, for example, if you're assigned a project team and you have a set deadline to finish project X by this and move this deliverable by this much percentage or whatever, you got to understand who's on your team, who's the subject matter experts that need to be pulled in and what you need to do to make that a reality. And what better way to be able to make milestones happen alongside projects is to pull those subject matters in and have a regular meeting cadence or rhythm, whatever you want to call it, where you're pulling these individuals together to understand who's doing what and what needs to occur to move the milestones. Don't wait a day before something's due or don't wait for somebody to reach out to you trying to figure out where something is at or where what help is needed. If you're not communicating all the way through, especially as the project manager, you're not setting yourself up for success because Everybody has a million things going on. Everybody has conflicting priorities. And just because it's a priority for you does not mean it's the priority for them right then and there. So you got to be able to understand how to kind of bring that project along the way. And just like what Dwayne was saying with those milestones, what are those kind of moments in time where things have to happen? 
And what needs to, what work needs to be happening to lead up to that moment? That's what you need to do as a project manager. And that's where you bring in rigor and cadence. If you're not setting the set time, saying, hey, Wednesday at this time or Tuesday at this time, we're going to talk through this and understand where things are. If you're not taking the leadership initiative of that is, and you're the one that's the, that was assigned this project, you're not doing yourself any favors. All that's going to do is cause be um, a challenge or miscommunication or things are going to go off the rails. And then your manager is going to ask you, like, what's going on? Take the initiative to be upfront and have that rigor. And then also take the initiative to have the courage if things aren't going well to make people aware so you can get help. A lot of the times, even when we go back to our school days, we're like, oh, I don't want to ask the question. Oh, I don't want to look foolish. But no, it's better that you get your your leadership involved and you make them aware of what help you need so they can be able to guide or give you, you know, advice of what you can do differently rather than waiting until the rails fall all the way off. The moment... You know, like leading all of this up, really, like when we talk about work ethic, this really is your brand. Your work output and what you do is what you're known for. So like being able to understand that and the sooner you realize that, the more effective you can be. And then when you get everybody to understand the common goal and the why this project is important for every function from a financial standpoint, from an operations standpoint, et cetera, as long as everybody understand what this is trying to achieve and the role they play, it's a lot easier to get bought in and help rather than somebody saying this has to get done tomorrow. Like everybody's feeling pressure. Everybody's trying to get things done. Make, make sure people understand and have the context of why we're doing. Again, like Dwayne said, what's the why? Why are we doing what we're doing? And let's tie it back to the bottom line of what we're trying to move in the right direction. But again, have that rigor. Like things aren't just going to happen overnight. Some projects will take six to eight months, but figure out what that deadline is and then what you need to do to make it a reality. So Dwayne, we've talked about a lot of great stuff, man. This stuff is so relevant. Like even to what I'm doing, I'm sure what you're doing. Um, I want to give final thoughts here. So what what uh, last thoughts do you want to share for the listeners? Again, no matter what age they are, no matter where they are in their career, in regards to work ethic and what we've been talking about, what final thoughts do you have for the listeners, man? I would say, I guess the first thing, and I touched on it in the middle, I'll go back to awareness. Understand where you're at. Be honest with yourself on where you're at. Don't try to give yourself unrealistic expectations in the time being, right? Um, understand that and then make those changes, right, for the best. Um, I tell a lot of my friends, and this was a, a very deep conversation I not only had with you, but a lot of our, our different peers who have been, I guess, 10 years graduated. Man, you really reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But we're getting to the point where there's no more excuses. Right, you gotta take advantage of your opportunities. Right, um, majority of us, especially people who are younger than us or at our age, we're we're at a time where we need to start taking advantage of it. Right, don't sit there and think you it's gonna come. It's gonna come later, right? Because by then, ten years go by, you got more. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying in terms of. Um, you, you have you have more dependence, more things happen in your life. Um, issues tend to happen with your parents as you get older. More things you have to care about, so you can't put as much energy into your job as you could. So, when opportunities come, uh, no matter what age, I should stop saying that. You need to take full advantage of it, and that's kind of one of the key things. Many people, even myself, I will always be so hesitant. Now I'm comfortable because many people are. Many people are prisoners, or, I mean, that's not a good term. Many people are, what do you say? I'm finding the word. Many people 
I'll say, how about this? I can't find the word. Committed to their own comfort. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Which is, which is one of the initial phases of you not being successful. Because yeah. you can tell when you start being successful or when, you, when you're working towards it, you're putting yourself in a lot of uncomfortable situations. Especially if you're in, in a corporation, you're finding yourself in that. And I'm talking about in a good way. If you're presenting something that you never presented, if you're talking in front of people you never talked in front of, right? If you're doing certain tasks you never did. And at first you're like, oh, this is but all that's working up to progress to the opportunity you really want. So I would say awareness, and then I would say making sure you make the right changes. And then after that, recognizing the opportunity that's in front of you and going after it. Pull the tr- I, I use this as a term, uh, probably not the best term, but it, it's uh, people who, uh, I guess, have certain common sense will understand what I'm Pull the trigger, pull the trigger, don't think about pull it. You miss a one or two requirements, who can't pull it? Because once they deny you, or if they deny you, you learn so much from it. All right, people talk about it from a dating sense, and I, I won't go down to shooting that as an example, right? If you, if you don't talk to that person, you're never gonna be able to date that person or see the opportunity that's to that. And then once you get rejected, most people don't think about it because they, they don't go for the opportunity so they don't even know what rejection feels like. If you can start to master that feeling of being rejected and use it as an opportunity to grow, you will come stronger than you ever will in terms of anything in life. It can be from a dating experience. It can be in terms of what we're talking about, uh, working for a company, or getting rejected internally or external. You grow each time, and then you know your limitations. So that way, you can start working on those weaknesses or those limitations to get you where you really need to go. And then it's going to be that one time as you work on it where you're not rejected, you're going to get that opportunity. And you're going to have more confidence than ever. All those rejections build your confidence because you started working on stuff. So, and then you went into the opportunity very confident just because you knew now I can handle rejection because I'm going to see it as good. So, yeah, man, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things, uh, not things, not a good word, but it's a lot of, the chances people can take that now with all these opportunities we have with, you know, uh, everything that's been progressing, you can talk about politically or, or everything to where it presents everybody, no matter your ethnicity or uh, even if you have a disability, so many things that now you have an opportunity to grow and you need to take advantage of. Don't just be com- comfortable and think, you know, I'm going to stay here or and when I say stay here, I'm not talking about from a company standpoint. Staying with the same company is not that. But I'm just saying taking advantage of internal. Right? Just being confident to do that. And if you if you do it, you'll you'll always see a result, even if you get rejected or not. Now that's what I would really leave people with. Right? Don't be stuck. Don't be comfortable. Take the opportunity of getting better. And you may not be ready yet. And I'll, I'll say this one last point. Most, the most successful people, one of their best traits they have is that they go into situations or different jobs or whatever or develop a, a new company knowing that they only have 50% of the time. And then their mindset.
confident. And so they know even if they sell it the other 50%, they'll wrap it up, they'll learn from it, attach it to the other 50% they know, now they're a beast. And they do it every time. That's the number one trait. And most, uh, I, I won't be negative, but most people tend to stay in the same situation or uh, become a little unsuccessful. The people don't realize that because they feel like you need 100% to take advantage of these different opportunities, which is not realistic. And most people who are already in that position, they only do 50 to 75% of it, and they need it to learn. So be confident and take advantage of it. And you earned it. You worked hard on it. So. Man, so powerful, bro. I'm going to chime in just a little bit more, too, and then uh, we'll call it. But um, the final thoughts for the listeners for me that I would say is just in, in this simple way of this. Be intentional, be committed, and just like Dwayne said, get better. So nobody's going to own this thing called your career for you. Nobody's going to do anything for you. And, and again, like we've been saying almost for an hour now, if it's something that's handed out to you, it's not worthwhile. And then you can't realize that full potential if you aren't pushing those limits and finding ways to grow. So commitment is the expectation. Doing the same thing day in, day out and going and showing up is something you have to do. Being intentional, though, about saying I want to go and pursue X, Y and Z or I want to go be that big leader or I want to go make that big change. That's on you to be able to do that and take these opportunities. And, you know, when it's time to move on or when you've outgrown something. If something's becoming very easy, routine, cookie cutter, that's a very dangerous thing to get caught up in. I'm not saying that uh, finding comfort at some period of time is a bad thing, but that shouldn't be a long term goal for you. Like if you're doing something for three, four years and you know it's time to move, you need to move. And then about this whole concept of getting better. Iron sharpens iron. I'm really grateful for Dwayne in my circle and others in my circle that I can bounce things off of and that can help me understand when I know I need to do something different. But I think it's important that you understand what those gaps are. You need to know for you, like if we look at your life and your skill set, your work, your profession, like what you're doing, you need to know what are your strengths, what is your foundational skill sets that you have, what are the things that come naturally, and you need to also understand what are the gaps and the opportunities you have to get better and improve. How do you continually fill ways, find ways to build upon and get better, you know, every day, every year? And then also the other things, there's going to be things that you naturally aren't good at. You need to identify that and make sure that the teams you're working on, you understand who knows how to do what so they can be able to build upon the gaps that you have. So I think a lot of the things we're talking about when we talk about work ethic, we talk about putting in the work, owning your, your journey and owning your destiny. It really does come back to knowing who you are. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know what value you bring, if you don't know the position you play and why you're in a situation and what the bottom line and how that impacts the bottom line in the business and the organization, spend time to go out there and learn. And even taking this, you know, another uh, layer back um, when we talk about this whole concept that like we've been talking about, you know, power, we've been talking about purpose and opportunity. Now we're talking about work ethic. Like really, again, like I said earlier about this whole concept of faith without work is dead. If you aren't finding the way to do what you need to do, like you can pray all day long, but there's some things that the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to do. He's not going to do some things for you. There's going to be times where he's going to give you the ability to do, and then it's on you to do it. So all the things me and Dwayne have been talking about, it doesn't matter if you are somebody that's in a corporate environment. It doesn't matter if you're working in a nonprofit. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, pursuing to try to become a professional uh, ball player in basketball or football. Um, all of this comes into play. If there's a team that you're working with. 
there's a team that you're on, you play a certain role and you have the ability to do X, Y, and Z. And you also have the option to choose not to do. But if you're choosing not to own this and you're not taking the initiative to make things happen, that's only impacting and hurting you. And if you're not careful, um, you will be removed or isolated from the team from your decision making. So nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to make you be on time. Nobody's going to handhold. Nobody's going to do the work for you. There are things you have to do. But again, that's that whole concept without, without work behind faith is dead. So this whole con conversation me and Dwayne have been talking about is about finding ways to remove the excuses. It's like he said, there's no more excuses. Remove the excuses and make it happen. So again, be intentional, be committed and get better. So with that, Dwayne, thank you so much, brother. This was phenomenal. Um, I think this hour is going to be really impactful for many of the listeners. I'm really excited uh, for, you know, what others will, get, will glean from this and what they can learn from me and your experience. And I encourage also, if you're listening still, for you to find somebody that can be like how Dwayne is for me that can kind of bounce things off of you. If you don't have a network, both internal and external, of people that you can be able to find ways to learn from, to get better, for somebody to have a skill set that you don't have that you can learn from, you're not doing yourself any services. You're not doing yourself any benefit. Take the time to build your network up both internal and external. And also the last thing I'll end on is they don't have to look like you. They can have different experiences than you. They can be have different backgrounds. Be intentional to find people that can help you get better so you can be the best version of yourself. And if you got a big dream and you want to go after something, you want to start your own business, learn the things that you have at work and you can apply that, but don't take it for granted. It doesn't just come. Nobody that's running their own organization doesn't have a, a tremendous level of responsibility that comes with that. So you got to make sure you own this thing and you make it happen so with that brother thanks man i really appreciate the time i appreciate it man anytime uh, this was this was good speaking about these different uh topics and all aligned the work ethic this is important to have these discussions man um many times we can impact one or many people and that's 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 really why you, you want to do stuff like that so had a good time. Hope to do it again. Hopefully, like I said before we started, we could just do it in person. Yeah. Uh, making a whole other type of experience. So, yeah, man, I appreciate it. All right, man. You take care. Thanks again. And again, for my listeners, continue to ask yourself this question. How can you empower someone else right here, right now? We'll talk soon.